Why if you would take a Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 484. This is the second week um, in a series uh, that we're walking through now. In the book of Isaiah, we'll be in Isaiah um, all the way through to Easter Sunday. Isaiah chapter 1. And I'm reading this passage, I want to remind you that the sermon series is titled, The Good News According to Isaiah. The Good News According to Isaiah, because Isaiah comes this morning with a tough word. And I, I was reminded of that when I read it in the first service. It's one thing to read these verses you know, kind of by yourself at your, in your office, at your desk, or, and then you just kind of read them out loud to everybody, and it hits you in a different way. Um, so I invite you to listen to what Isaiah has to say to us today. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am, um, one of the things I get to do in my job that affords me the opportunity to be involved in civic organizations. And I am, well, at least one, I would say. I'm in the Shades Valley Rotary Club. And most every Monday, most, I do not have perfect attendance. Mr. Bob Baker can attest. He's also in there with me. Most Mondays, I go to Rotary at the Botanical Gardens. And if I'm honest with you, I evaluate my experience based on two things. The first of which is the food. Um, the people who organize Rotary are no dummies. You want to draw a crowd, what do you do? You feed them. So I kind of, you know, if it's Brussels sprouts Monday, I'm not the most excited. But generally, uh, if we have a good meal, uh, I'm excited. And then the second thing is the speaker. So we hear from some speaker, some civic leader, somebody who's helping us understand more about what's happening in Birmingham and the, the region. And usually I walk away and I was like, well, if I had a good meal and I had um, a good speaker, then it was a good time at Rotary. Now, some of us evaluate church in the same way. Uh, How was the food? How was the message? How was the speaker? And sometimes, you know, it's it's on some kind of sliding scale. You know, sometimes the coffee's cold and the donuts are stale. Sometimes the speaker, you're like, what in the world was that? But I remember hearing a guy speak at Rotary. He's a 
think he's an orthopedic surgeon, young guy. And he came and he was talking to us about things that we already knew to be true. So he was encouraging us to exercise and eat better. Now, quick, you know, just straw poll. How many of you already know that those are things you should do? Yeah, I mean, like, we, it wasn't like we showed up to Rotor and he was like, guys, I found the secret to life. Eat better and exercise, and you're going to enjoy your life more. And all of us were just like, whoa. Like, where did he get that? How did, if I'd known that, I've been eating broccoli all the time, right? I would never miss a workout if I'd known that this was the secret to a long and healthy life. So what he did, he knew it wasn't a, a function of us knowing things, but he needed to connect it to some bigger purpose in life. And so the way that he led into his talk was he said, I want you to think about a question. How long would you like to live? He said, I was, huh, how long would I like to live? And what quality of life would you like to have while you're living? How long would you like to live and what quality of life would you like to have while you're living? Which is a way different question than just like, do you know about exercise and eating right, correct? And he was trying to make the point that whatever you would like vision your life to be, perhaps you make healthy decisions along the path to help see that vision become a reality. Now, I don't count myself as the oldest person in the room for sure. I just turned 45 recently. But I am at the age where I think, when I become a grandparent, if the Lord wills, what would I like? I would like to show up at the game. I'd like to be able to lug my cooler and chair out there and prop down and talk about how terrible the umpires are and how talented my children, grandchildren are, like with everybody. So he's, he's connecting it to some bigger vision of life and saying, okay, if you want quality of life and quantity of life, start there and then work your way back on decisions you ought to be making. Because if you divorce that bigger vision from those healthy decisions, then it just kind of becomes drudgery, doesn't it? Like, how many of you would prefer to get up in the morning at 4.30 and go jogging or sleep in? I mean, all of us are like, give me sleep in. How many of you would like to go hit the buffet and finish off with a dessert? Or how many of you would like to go eat broccoli for lunch? Like, we all know kind of what the answer is. And so there's this bigger thing of, like, is there a vision that would compel me to make a better choice so that that becomes not just wearisome, but it's leading somewhere. There's a bigger vision of why I'm making these decisions. And we see it in all areas of life. Pretty soon, before you blink your eyes, though it feels forever away, it's going to be football season. And those poor young men are going to be out in 100-degree weather practicing going through the X's and the O's, the blocking and the tackling, all the drills. And when you get to the end of training camp and you're preparing for the first game, what do you often hear the coach say? We're just, my guys are just ready to hit somebody else. Right? They, they're done with the practices. They actually want to go out into the field and put it into practice. Like they, wanna, they want the game that you would be some kind of weird masochist if you just liked football practice all the time. If you're just like, yeah, give me the 105 weather, give me, you know, people passing out, give me losing weight, I, that's, I'll sign up for that, y'all go play the game. But we all know that those things become wearisome unless they're attached to some greater goal. 
I would suggest to you today that, that Christianity and the Christian faith is similar. Similar. That you and I have the propensity, we have, really I would say more than that, we have this kind of, we're hardwired for this, that sometimes we get so caught up in the motions of faith or religious practice that we kind of forget what the point is in the end. That ultimately God has not called you just to be like a regular church attender, a regular Bible reader, a regular tither just for the sake of that, but that, that God's called you to these things because he's shaping within you a heart that then will actually get out into the world and play. That will get out into the world and represent him in a life of obedience. And if you separate all of these discipleship methods, be it corporate worship or Sunday school or small group or giving or prayer, if you separate all of those things from actually living your faith out, then there's no wonder that it becomes wearisome sometimes. And it's kind of just this dead faith and going through the motions. And it really impacts how you think about who God is, what he's done for you, and how he's called you to live. Now, the people of Isaiah's day definitely struggled with this issue. They were really focused on being involved in worship in the temple. They were really focused on offering all the right sacrifices and perhaps even singing songs of praise that would have, you know, passed muster. Like, that was a good song. Sing a good song today at the temple. And Isaiah comes into that environment where they, they were doing all of those things. Outwardly, there was a form of godliness. But they divorced what they did in the temple from how they lived their lives the rest of the week. And Isaiah comes in with this harsh word to wake them up to that. Now verse 11, it says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Verse 13, Bring no more offerings. Your incense is an abomination to me. I cannot endure any more of this stuff that you're doing. They become a burden to me. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will not see. When you offer prayers, I will not listen. Now, imagine if you had pulled up at church this morning. You've done your normal routine. you got all your stuff together. you got everybody in the car. You pull up. You find a parking spot. You get out, and you start making your way to the church. And I show up, and I'm just like, nope, we're not doing it anymore. Get back in your car and go home. We're not going to get in that sanctuary, and we're not going to sing those songs again, and we're not going to offer those prayers, and we're, not, we're just not doing it. You just need to go home. How would you respond to that? Wouldn't there be just this kind of, oh, you'd be like confused, right, initially. Like all the things that we think we're supposed to be doing, here's the pastor meet me in the parking lot saying, we ain't doing it no more. Go back home. And Isaiah comes to the people and he, he delivers that word to them. And it's, a, and it's a word of gospel ultimately. It's a word of good news ultimately. 
Because they had formed this picture of God in their minds, of God just kind of being this taskmaster, where they came in, and if they did all the things the right way, in effect, they could just kind of get God off their back. I'm going to come in, I'm going to offer the sacrifices, whatever the priest says, I'm going to give the money, whatever he says, and I'm going to kind of just check that off my list, and then I'm going to go out and live my life however I would like to live. And probably all of us have thought about faith that way at some point in our lives, even though if we didn't articulate it that way. Like perhaps you've gotten up on a Sunday morning and you thought, "Ah, do we want to do this? Right? In your heart of hearts, you've kind of thought, I got to get dressed first. Lord bless you if you have small children, you have to get them ready. Like you got to make plans, you got to do things, and you're just like, Really, we would just prefer to sit here in our pajamas and do nothing. Like, really, we, but, you, but sometimes you, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you go do the right thing. And you kind of leave church. And if you're not careful, that can be like a relief. Like, whoo, got that done for the week, you know, checking out to whatever's next. And the people in Isaiah's day had come to see worship in those terms. It was just like, hey, we know this is what we have to do. We know we're supposed to do this. Let's get it checked off, and then we're just going to run out into the world and live, not even however we want, but we're going to go out into the world and live as terrible people. We've appeased God with these sacrifices, and then we're going to go out, and we're going to oppress people. We're not going to be faithful to God's call upon our life, because really, if we're honest with each other, which is harder? To kind of go through the motions and check the boxes of Sunday morning worship observance, or to go out and seek justice for the oppressed, the oppressed and be engaged in people who are poor and marginalized. Which one of those would you prefer? In our hearts, there's kind of this attraction of kind of neat and tidy and contained religion. That we've done these things, we've checked off the boxes, and now we just go out to do whatever. And Isaiah comes in and he says, um, I received a message from the Lord that it can't go on this way. Ultimately, that's not what he desires from us as his people. And the good news is that God desires and longs for so much more for us than that. And the the message that I hear from Isaiah this morning is this message that, that God desires more for us, that he enters into a relationship you might remember last week as our Heavenly Father. And that he's called us, he's redeemed us, he's given us everything for life and godliness. And he wants more joy and vibrancy in our relationship with him than merely going through the motions and checking the boxes. But he longs for us to see who he is and to believe that what he calls us to as we yield our lives in obedience to him is ultimately better and harder, but ultimately more satisfying than anything else you and I can experience. He longs to be in relationship with us as the Heavenly Father, leading us into passages of life that are ultimately for our good and for His glory. And He's not willing to settle to let us just go through the motions of religion. Now, when you got in the car this morning, if someone had asked you, are you going to church for God or for you? How would you have answered that question? 
You going to church today for God or are you going for you? Some of you, you have really great looks on your face right now. You're like, I don't know, it seems like a, seems like a trick ordination exam question. And there's a part of us that, that, that we think, rightly, that, that God's the one here who's exalted and glorified and honored, that it's him above. But, but you and I need to reckon and wrestle with the truth that God didn't need anything that we did today. That God in the person of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is perfectly content. And he doesn't need us to sing songs of worship to him. He doesn't need us even to give to further his mission in the world. Like the sovereign Lord of all creation will accomplish his purposes in the world. The question is whether we'll be a part of it. But that ultimately, as Jesus would remind those that he engaged with about questions of Sabbath observance and those kind of things, that the Sabbath was made for whom? For us. Sabbath was made for man, not man to prop up the Sabbath. So as God calls us to worship him and he calls us to community and he calls us to obedience, that ultimately you and I need to remember that, that this is ultimately for our good and for God's glory and that he's going to continue his purposes in the world with us or without us. And we have the privilege to be a part of it and enter into that humble obedience of faith that then ultimately, in ways that sometimes you and I don't think it will, leads us to satisfaction and joy. I told the first group this morning, you have to be careful when you do this as a pastor because I may get 20 text messages making sure I'm okay. I'm okay generally. But have you ever just like woken up in the morning and just been like, I'm just a little downcast, to be honest. Any of you ever been there? I don't know. I mean, nothing I can really put my finger on or like, this is why. But, you know, just a little gray, a little downcast. And I was driving on my way to church, and I told Mary, I was like, I don't even know why. It's a little gray today, you know. And if I were not your pastor, who knows what I might have done with that, right? I could have been like, you know, I just don't know if I... I don't know if I feel like going today. I think I'll just stay home. I'll do this or I'll do that. Kind of refresh my soul, maybe get a little brunch. Just kidding. I would do these things right and not maybe go. But, you know, I kind of have to go, which is wonderful, I've learned, because I came and I did my normal things. Like I made my way around the sanctuary. At 9 o'clock service, I talked to Tallulah Hargrove, who sits right back there every Sunday we have this wonderful relationship. I get to call her Tuli. Tuli drags herself to church. That's not much of an exaggeration. She and I talk. I talk to Janie Barnes. I talk to introduce people before this service. And sometimes I get this comment that, wow, that's so great that you speak to people before church as if I'm the one that's giving something to other people. And sometimes when I'm just floating around, man, I need, I need what you're giving me. An encouraging word, a hug here or there. You know, like, I need that. And what worship, corporate worship is, and what yielding our lives generally in obedience to the Lord is, is humbly trusting that that step of obedience ultimately is going to satisfy my heart more than disobedience. 
that yielding my will to the Lord's will is not a way for me to impress him or a way for him to love me more or a way to garner some kind of favor or blessing in life. It's simply me recognizing that he is my heavenly father, that he desires my good and his glory, that he's done everything for me in Christ. And so I'm not earning anything from him ever. I'm only responding to him in obedience. And given to my own devices, I would be the greediest person in the world. I'd make it all about me and kind of what can I get or accumulate. This whole idea of stewarding my finances for other people's good and the furtherance of the gospel would not occur naturally to me. Serving other people would not occur naturally to me. But as I yield my life more and more in obedience to the Lord, I find that that's the path of greater joy. The Lord satisfies my heart as I yield my life in obedience to him. And yeah, I show up for worship. And yeah, I steward my finances as faithfully as I can. And I do the things that he's calling me to. I read my Bible, but not in an effort to be more righteous before him or earn anything from him because he's already given me everything in Jesus. Like, just let that truth fall. You right now, in this moment, if you are in Christ, you are as loved as you ever will be by the creator of the universe in this moment. Doesn't that feel good? Like, it just, because I'm kind of a doer and achiever. I'm kind of a like, do it this way, you know, da 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 the gospel comes to me and reminds me that there's no sacrifice I can offer. There's no level of obedience that will ultimately warrant his love or favor from me because he's already given it to me in Jesus. And you and I get to live in this era of redemption history where the people of Isaiah's day could only see in hints and shadows the fulfillment of the sacrifices that they were offering. Later today, you should go read Hebrews chapter 10. And the author of Hebrews says, that ultimately all of those sacrifices could not perfect the conscience of the worshiper. They had to be done over and over and over again. But the good news of all that God has done for us in Christ is that the sacrifice is done once and for all. So now our life of obedience is not about earning anything. It's about humbly living in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Walk in and believe in that as I respond in obedience, ultimately that's going to satisfy the desires of my heart. So if you're here this morning and you think about Christianity primarily in terms of what you have to do to make God happy, I want to try to take that thought out of your mind. (laughs) Because God's done it all in the person of Jesus. And he calls you to respond in obedience and see that all of these things that he gives you ultimately are gifts to you. Gathering for corporate worship is a gift, not a demand. Reading your Bible every morning or night. God bless you night people. I'm a morning person. But every night is not something that you do to get God off your back. Giving your tithes and offerings is not some empty requirement. It's responding and believing that as you move out in obedience, 
that your joy is going to be complete and God's going to be glorified in you. I pray for you and I pray for me that I continue to learn that because it's, you know, old habits die hard, don't they? I can work out for a while, okay, and I go back. And the patterns in our heart are similar. They keep coming back to us to speak of earning or legalism. And the truth is that God calls us to be good news gospel people who then, yes, take seriously his call on our life to move out in obedience for his glory and for our good. I want you to pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us enough to wake us up to the places where we have grown dead or grown cold or are just going through the motions of faith. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and kind enough that, that you want more you want more than that from us, and you desire for us to experience more joy and more abundant life in you. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us the places where we're not as faithful as we ought to be and win the battle in our hearts that we would respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you, through faith in him and his life, death, and resurrection, declare us perfectly righteous before you, we would see our acts of obedience as moving toward you in faith and joy and dependence. And that you would use us for your good, for our good and for your glory. And we ask forgiveness for the ways that we've, we've turned faith into a game or something less than a relationship. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. If you're here this morning.